0: everybody. My name is Jim Breckbuehler and I'm the discipleship minister here and I'm just happy that you all are here with us this morning. And what I'd like to do right now before we get started is for everybody, if you're physically able to just stand and let's read God's word together. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. I'm almost did left that. Okay, thank you. That's our passage where we're going to be uh, studying this morning, uh, in and, and so before we do, we're going to be uh, focusing in on our mouth today, on our words, and so before we do, we're going to uh, just do something for fun right now, see how smart you guys are, and alert. We're going to look at some famous mouse. We're going to start with the really easy one, so you guys just call it out if you know what it is. Yeah, the Grinch. That's pretty straightforward. Michael Jordan? Did I hear that? Yeah, you don't want to be on the opposite side of that smile. That means he posterized you, and uh, dunked on you. Mona Lisa. Yep, that's pretty straightforward. Emma, who this is? Who? Yeah, Agnes from Despicable Me. Steph Curry. Yeah, he plays with his mouthpiece out more than he does in, doesn't he? Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, that's you got that one. A leading man. A leading man. America's most, one of his, their most loved leading men. Who? Jimmy Stewart. Stewart. Yep. Now, before we go to the next slide, I wanted to, to mention this. When you look at women's actress pictures, They're kind of known for their voluptuousness or whatever you want to call it. And so I don't want our guys going off on a different path this morning. I want you to stay with me. And then I thought, that's not fair. So I'm just going to go straight at a blonde actress, and you'll have to deal with it. So let's put the next one up. Miss Piggy, there you go. (laughs) And then the last one. Snoopy, yep. When everything else fails, you don't know what words, you can always smile, right? So some famous mouths. All right. So we're going to be going through this today talking about our, our mouths, the wise use of our mouths. And it includes not just our verbal words, but our digital mouths. In other words, these attached to our mouth. And then our silent words that we, or when we're alone, we may not even be moving our lips, but we're talking to the Lord. And last week, Steve talked about some really tough stuff, and today's sermon looks pretty straightforward, but the problem is we talk about 16,000 words a day, and guys, before you jump to that thing, women talk 20,000 and men talk seven, that's a myth, and Arizona State or Arizona University, one of the two, they did some research, and it shows that women talk just slightly more than men at 16,000 words a day. And so if we're awake for 16 hours a day, that means we talk 1,000 words an hour. So we have 1,000 times in an hour to mess up, all right? Uh, With that, I want you to know as we go through this, some of this may hit you kind of hard. I want you to know I've been standing in front of the mirror all week and offending myself. So I'm more than happy to let you guys go ahead of me now. And I was thinking at my age, I don't go places I shouldn't go anymore. I don't, you know, drive down the road and make gestures of people I shouldn't make and those type of things. And if the Lord just showed my mouth shut, I would be really a holy guy. You know, he could feed me through my ear and we'd be good. So I'm walking with you on this. All right, let's take verse, verse two here. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And we can't miss this verse and skip over it too quick. We just came out of a section emphasizing living as new creations, Colossians 3, 9, and 10 notes that we are to have taken off our old selves with its practices and put on our new self. We are not to live like we did before we were Christians. After we become Christians, we start to recalibrate everything. We are under attack then because Satan is wanting us to fall. He wants to see us fail because he's lost us to the other side. He doesn't like our new life. And that's why we need to embrace these well-worn practices of the faith of being prayerful and watchful and thankful. And so first thing Paul puts in there is that we are to be devoted. And devoted implies a deep dedication to prayer, not just a Hail Mary prayer life. And then he talks about thankfulness. And thankfulness, when we are writing down and thinking about all the things that we can be thankful for, it reminds us of our dependency upon the Lord and how much we don't need to depend upon ourselves, which is a good thing. And as a side note, this is the seventh time in Colossians that Paul discusses thankfulness. Paul tells the church in Thessalonica to pray without ceasing or pray continually and to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for them. And that applies to us today now. And then he talks about being watchful. And we have to remember that we live in a spiritual world. In Ephesians 6, Paul tells the Philippians church, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And we have to remember that the devil is a schemer. He will set you up and say, hey, you really want to get into this relationship. I know you maybe don't think you should, but you should get into this. It'll be wonderful. Or, hey, you really, I know you don't think you can afford that, but go ahead and get it. It's going to bring you wonderful times. And then after you're in them for a while, you're like, wow, that was bad for me. That's because he's a schemer and he's attacking us. He goes on to write, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We have to remember that we are in a spiritual battle with Satan throughout the week, and we have to be alert. But because we are Christians, we can win the battle. That's the good news. Now, what's it look like? In family situations, if you have two Christian spouses and they're battling over something, remember, your marriage is under attack. Satan hates to keep your marriage together. And instead of thinking that you're married to Satan, realize that he is actually attacking your marriage and pray about your problems. And you list the things that you can be thankful for regarding your spouse. He's going to attack any Christian parent who's trying to parent their child to follow Jesus. And we need to be on top of it and be alert to the arrows that he's shooting at our kids, at our parenting. If you're in a work situation, you guessed it, he's going to be attacking you there. He may be going, hey, this relationship over here that's starting to develop is much better than what you got at home. Or this stressful situation that you have at work, go ahead and lash out. And he's attacking you at work. And we have to be alert and go, nope, I'm backing off. I'm going to do things Jesus way. Maybe you're in a time of spiritual dryness right now. Just some things to think about when you look at this verse. Are you doubling down on your prayer time or has your prayer time diminished? Are you being watchful because he is attacking you during a period of spiritual dryness? And at the same time, are you being thankful or are you wallowing in your negatives? And one of the best things you can do is just start listing all the things you can be thankful for. And it's amazing how big a list that can become, even in the worst of times. So we go to verses 3 and 4 and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So now we see Paul starting to shift prayers to himself. But note, he's not asking for prayers necessarily for himself, but for his work. He could have been clearly asking the Colossians at this point to pray for his release from prison, for a good outcome to his upcoming trial, for rest and peace. But instead, he is asking them to pray for open doors so that he can proclaim with clarity the mystery of Christ, which has already got him thrown in prison in the first place. He's like, I can only get prison, thrown in prison once, but maybe I can get thrown in prison again for the same thing. And you can only think that he's just talking to all the people that are all around him, keep and watch over him while he's in prison. And I just want to make a, a quick note about what he means by the mystery of Christ. It is not that we can't understand Christ. In this particular situation, this is what it means. Going all the way back to Abraham God promises that all the world will be saved through one of Abraham's offspring, also known as Jesus. And as the centuries rolled on, more and more prophecies were put in place about Jesus. And the message of the coming Savior was information that was pretty much held within the nation of Israel. God would use Israel to bring Jesus to the world. That was Israel's rule. Until Jesus came to earth and then had his ministry, died, was resurrected, and ascended, much about him was a mystery. And on top of that, what was known, again, was within the nation of Israel. But now the news about Jesus was out, and it was no longer a mystery. And then the really good news is is that Jesus was not just for one people and one nation, the nation of Israel, the Jews, but it was for the Gentiles. And unless if you have a Jewish heritage, we would have all been in the Gentile category. That's the good news. Jesus is for all people. And Paul wanted to proclaim what was previously unknown to the Gentiles. He is known as the apostle to the Gentiles. So he wanted to preach the word of God in fullness to all people, not just the Jews. And that's what he talks about when he's saying the the mystery. And if you want to follow up on that more, up at the top in your outline, under your study verses, you'll see Colossians 1, 25-27, and Romans 6, 25-26. Now, the takeaways out of this verse is simply this the passage. We should pray for ourselves and others for open-door opportunities. At the beginning of our week, when we're praying about our week, instead of just praying about, I need to get this done and that done, we watch. Pray for open-door opportunities, maybe with people at work or a friend at school or whatever it might be. We should never be asking or praying to get out of the work of sharing the good news with somebody. We should instead be sharing, we should be praying for the strength to finish the work that he has given us to do. So now we land on verse uh, 5 and 6, and we want to camp here for a little bit. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And I'm going to work backwards on this. Notice at the very end it says, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This implies that we need to educate ourselves to answer That is the responsibility we have as Christians. Leaders have the responsibility to equip, and we all have the responsibility to be learners all the days of our lives. Here at Discover, we do this through things like life groups and D groups, adult ed classes, that we need people to take take advantage of those because that's where you can really learn and grow. There are apologetics websites like Cold Case Christianity, Jay Warner Wallace is the Dateline murder guy, and he actually is a Christian and has a a website called Cold Case Christianity, and apologetics is the defense of our faith. It's not saying you're sorry. It is the studying of basically the defense of our faith, and so check out Cold Case Christianity. Now, again, going back to that so that you know how to answer, infers that somebody is asking you questions. That's why, as Christians, we need to live questionable lives. Now, that sounds weird, doesn't it? And I just heard that term this week from Hugh Halter, who's a church planner. And this is what he says. He says, we should live lives... He said, we can be over here and we're climbing the corporate ladder. We're buying the same houses. We're buying the same cars. We're not doing anything immoral. We're just doing the same as our neighbors. But as Christians, we should be doing stuff that is definitely different. Our lives should look different, at least to some degree, in a major way. And we should live questionable lives, lives that make people ask us questions. Why did you help that family? You don't even know them. Why did you go to Mexico it's so dangerous down there. Why are you treating me nice? I've never done anything for you. When the boss came in the other day and ripped you, why didn't you fire back? What drives you? What makes you the way you are? And it gives us an opportunity to answer the questions that they may be asking. So now we move up, go back to the beginning. We, we are to be wise in how we interact with those who don't know Christ. And so much of this depends on our words. We're told to make the most of every opportunity, every opportunity with words that are to always, not much wiggle room there, always be full of grace seasoned with salt. Salt makes food taste good. That is why it is so important that we run our words through what I like to call our Holy Spirit filter. Because we can destroy our witness for Jesus in a matter of a few words or a few actions. And I don't know about you, but I'm guilty of that myself in more times than I want to care to think about. So why do I call it the Holy Spirit filter? Anybody that knows me knows I'm kind of a coffee aficionado. I love coffee. I know this, that when you have a filter in your coffee maker that has a big impact on the quality of the coffee and if it gets messed up the coffee could come out really dark and too strong or it'll come out so weak you can't even taste it or worse than anything i think is when it looks really good and you start to drink it and there's grounds in it anybody ever had i mean it's just like oh that's nasty but if you have a good filter then when, when things flow through, that, the, it filters out the impurities of the coffee and it lets only the good stuff go, and then it goes down into that pot and you drink it and it's like so good. A lot depends on that filter and the quality of the coffee. The Holy Spirit is working in conjunction with the willing Christian to bring about holiness. That's why he's called the Holy Spirit. And he works on traits such as kindness and gentleness and patience and self-control. All these things affect our words that come out of our mouths. And if we're to think about this, having an imaginary Holy Spirit filter in front of our mouth all day, when we put it in place, it begins to catch the impurities before they come out that might weaken our interactions with those that don't know Christ. And I want to direct this next comment to those who have been in the faith longer. You may have been a Christian a year or five years or 20 years or 40. But I think too often we can just get in the habit and we just keep saying the same things over again. And we haven't cleaned our filter out. We haven't checked it for leaks or rust spots. And so as we go through this today, let's just all reset and just start with a new filter. So what's this look like? Here are some impurities we need to filter out. We're going to jump back to what Steve had up last week, and it's because it deals with words, and I just want to touch on it real quick. Colossians 3, 5 through 10. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is adultery. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Oftentimes when somebody comes to Christ, boy, they'll say later on, well, I used to be sexually promiscuous, but now I'm, I'm pure. I used to have lustful thoughts on and off all day long about people that I'm not married to, but now I'm much better about that. I used to be really tight fisted, but now I've learned to be really generous. I love to help people. And those are all well and good, but Paul must have anticipated us pointing that out, because then he goes on and he says, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. And these all are greatly affected by our words. Anger, rage, malice, which is wishing bad things on people, slander, which is tearing people's reputation down, and filthy language from our lips. Do not lie to each other. So we need to run those type of things through our filter, but then he makes a really important statement right here because he says, Since you have taken off your old self with this practices and have put on the new self, the old is gone, the new is here, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. You see, when we become a Christian and Jesus meets us there in the waters of baptism, and our sins are washed away, and we receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, he cuts away that stone heart we have. And we receive a new life. And the Holy Spirit now is walking with us. And we have to remember, we are created to look like Jesus. And not only are we supposed to talk about Jesus, but we are to talk like Jesus. This is what drives us or should drive us. It's not because the Bible says to do these things. We should have a passion to want to be like our Savior. And we should have a passion to never want to drive outsiders away from us. We want them to have the same saving grace that we have. So moving on, how many of you complained this week Oh, come on. Let's be honest. We should do one online if you're not going to raise your hand. Okay. So the Bible, uh, Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without complaining or arguing. And folks, here's the thing. If we're talking with outsiders and we're complaining more than them, they're going to be like, why do I want to be a Christian? They complain more than me. My life's better than theirs. Paul tells the church in Ephesus, he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So Christians should not be known for their unwholesome talk. They should be known for our encouraging words and for building others up whenever we have the opportunity to do that. He again goes back to the uh, the church in Ephesus and he says, Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place but rather thanksgiving. Christians shouldn't be known for their cuss words or their dirty jokes. They should be known for thankful words. People should go, Bill came in and thanked me for that project. Nobody ever thanks for me for helping him. Sue told me that she really appreciated my friendship and what I've done for her. I heard John tell his kids the other day, hey, let's just take time right now to thank God for that super sunset. And people should think about us and go, they're just thankful people. I can tell based upon their words. And then we get to this next one, and we find this in Exodus 27. I gave you a lot of study verses this week. If you want to write it down, I did not put Philippians 2.14 on there or Exodus 20, verse 7. This is the third commandment out of the ten. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. As Christians, we are to use God's name reverently, never flippantly, and never in a useless manner. We have to remember that we serve a God, Yahweh, in the Hebrew language. He's our heavenly father. And God does not have a last name that starts with the letter D. And when we're talking about Jesus, And we smash our thumb. Jesus has nothing to do with the smashing of our thumb. We don't need to invoke his name at that time. And in a society where all the time we are moving away from God, they are always using OMG or the long version. OMG, do you believe what happened with that halfback? He dropped the pass. OMG, can you believe the price of those things in the grocery store, that's flippant use of God's word. And Christians, when we are interacting with, whether it's Christians or non-Christians, when we talk about God, we need to be talking about his name in a reverent way because we're called to be in awe of our heavenly father. So those are some of the impurities we should filter out. So what should our words be marked by? They need to be marked by kindness. These are all in scriptures everywhere. Kindness, gentleness, joy, which is the opposite of a complaining attitude. We should be joyful. Our words should be of a forgiving nature, the opposite of a bitter attitude. Our words should bring healing to broken souls. When solicited, our words of wisdom should be guided by God's word and not our personal bents, our personal opinions. When people think of us, our words should be marked by thankfulness, respect, and encouragement as we build other people up. And as the great apostle once said, Snoopy, Smiles are always free. So if you don't feel like talking, just smile. And again, this is so important that we remember these things. We're not doing it because the Bible says don't do these things. We're doing these things because we were created in the image of Jesus. We want to not only talk about Jesus, but we want to talk like Jesus. And not only do we want to talk like Jesus, we want to make sure that the people that we're interacting with, whether they're Christians or non-Christians, we want to make the best of every opportunity because we especially want to share with our non-Christian friends the grace that we get. And that's the driving thing here. We want people to come to the Lord. I want to finish within a second. I want to talk about social media for a second. Just because we're sitting behind a computer screen in our bedroom or office at home does not mean that it's not us, okay? What we express on social media is the same coming out of our mouse, but it's coming out of our digital mouse. It comes out of here, goes through our fingers, and pops on, and it is attributed to us. And so as a church body, I would just encourage all of us to run our comments through our Holy Spirit first before we ever post anything. Pray over them. Ask yourself, based upon what you've heard today from the scriptures, if someone reads this, am I drawing them closer to or driving them away from an eternal relationship with Christ? If I'm venting, is my digital speech gracious and salty? That shuts down a lot of stuff right there. If this is aimed at someone in particular, you know, face it, we've all read those things and we're like, I know this is aimed at somebody, but I just don't know who. If that person reads it or somebody tells that person that you posted it, will you lose the chance to love them and share Christ with them? If they're that bad, they need to know Jesus, right? And so, you need to be the one to share it with them and help them change their lives. And lastly, and most important, have you vented to the one you need to vent to? And that's Jesus. He's the one we need to go to with our problems and our anger. He's the one we need to trust with the wisdom, not social media. So, we're come to a time of communion right now. And as we've said, that everything we ha- say has to be run through a Holy Spirit filter and it's done so because we want to enter, not only glorify God but we want to have good relations with those that don't know Christ there's only one filter there's only one holy filter a holy spirit filter we don't have a business filter and a school filter and a church filter it's the same one 24/7 365 but as we have gone through this this morning maybe as we've studied the scripture, there's been something that God has laid on your heart that you feel convicted of. Maybe you've heard like, man, I, I, need, I need to start cleaning up my language. Man, I tear people down all the time. I need to start building people up. Maybe it's not that I tear people down. I don't even encourage people. Lord, I, I want to be an encourager. whatever it might be, but what has God laid on your heart this morning that you need to repent of? This has been a sermon series by Discover Christian Church. Find more at discovercc.org.